I'm Carly Palmer Webb, a gender and sexuality researcher, entrepreneur, enthusiastic Jesus lover, and the Christian sex educator. I believe that you can fully embrace your faith and pursue sexual wholeness in every life stage. And I'm here to help you do just that. I provide research-based info to help you prepare for and build sexual relationships worth all the hype, shame not included. This is the Christian Sex Educator Podcast. Well, hey there, my friends. I'm so happy to be with you today. I am really enjoying being able to have longer conversations with you. I've been doing sex education on Instagram for a while now. It's been about a year and a half, and I love it. I love being able to teach people on Instagram. It's a good way to reach a lot of people, but I do often find myself feeling a little bit discouraged that I can't go into more depth on the things that I teach in Instagram because it's just built for short form content. So it's been really fun for me to start this podcast just so that we can go into more depth, we can have the conversations that need to be had about these kinds of things. So I hope that you're enjoying it too. And that today's episode is a helpful one for you. This one is specifically for those of you who are preparing to transition into sexual activity at some point in the future. It doesn't have to be soon, but I wanted to answer some of your questions about the first time you have sex. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I get a lot of first time questions on Instagram because so many of you are waiting until marriage to have sex. And so... I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to this so that I could answer them in more detail. So that's what we're going to do for today's episode. So let's just go ahead and jump in. The very first question that I have to answer is, what can I do to prepare for my first time? This one is a little bit more general, so I thought that I'd put it at the beginning before we get into a little bit more detail. But here's my answer for this one. I know that for those of you who have been following me for a long time, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but the best way I think that you can prepare to transition into sexual activity is to educate yourself. You should be learning more about the human body, the sexual response cycle, pregnancy prevention, if that's something that you want to do, pleasure, how to reduce risk of pain with sex, things like that. There are a lot of really good resources that are research-based and that will help you to align your sexual behaviors with your beliefs and values. There seems to be kind of this general understanding in Christian circles that we shouldn't learn about or talk about sex before you get married, at least not very much, right? Just get married and then figure it out. That's kind of what I felt like was the expectation before I got married. But this definitely isn't an approach that I would recommend. When you're preparing to get married, you talk about all of the things with your fiance, right? You talk about how you will manage finances and where you want to live, how many kids you want to have, what types of parents you want to be, how you'll prioritize your marriage and date nights, what you'll do when there's a disagreement, how you want to serve in the church. You get my point. You talk about all of the things. 
It will really greatly benefit your marriage if you do the same thing with sex. Sex is going to be an important part of your relationship, so it's helpful to prepare for it. So educate yourself and have open, straightforward conversations with your person about expectations and fears and desires. Sound good? All right, let's move on to the next question, which is, Am I supposed to shave down there before sex? (laughs) This is a question I get a lot, and it's a question that I had before I got married, so let's answer it. The short answer is no. You aren't supposed to shave or wax down there before you have sex. But let me give you the long answer, too. I feel like there's a lot of weird, mostly unspoken pressure, especially for women, to remove their pubic hair before having sex for the first time. But that pressure should not exist, and certainly nobody else should get to have any say in whether you remove or trim your pubic hair. My friends, all adolescent and adult humans grow pubic hair. We've all got it, unless it's been purposefully removed. The decision to trim or wax or shave or just let your hair grow is 100% up to you. To help you make that decision, let me tell you a little bit about the role that that little patch of hair growing downstairs plays. Did you know that pubic hair serves a pretty important purpose? Because it does. So similar to your eyelashes or nose hair, pubic hair serves as this protective barrier. It keeps bacteria and dirt away from your genitals, which is an important part of preventing infection or irritation. Pubic hair also reduces friction during things like exercise and sex and other activities because, you know, nobody likes chafing or irritation down there, right? So with that in mind, I personally recommend trimming rather than removing pubic hair if you decide to do anything at all. And I'm talking to everybody here regardless of gender. Trimming the hair, kind of like mowing the lawn, can keep things looking clean and tidy without sacrificing any of the benefits. Trimming can also make it a little bit easier for you to clean yourself and keep away unpleasant smells. But if you do decide that you want to remove your hair altogether because that's what you want and what makes you feel the most comfortable, then here's what I would recommend. The first thing is that you should make sure to start early and practice several times before your wedding day or when you plan to have sex. Please, please don't wait until two days before your big day to get a full Brazilian wax. You just don't know how your body's going to respond, right? You might have a lot of itchiness, irritation. You might break out in hives for all I know. Just make sure that you try out whatever method you choose far in advance. The second thing I would say is to not use any harmful chemicals to remove hair. I know that hair removal creams and other similar products seem like a pretty convenient way to get rid of your little forest downstairs, but trust me when I say that you do not want that stuff near your genitals. Again, the skin down there is very sensitive. But more than that, some of the chemicals that those products have in them can disrupt normal bodily functions. They can lead to pain and irritation and unpleasant smells, even infection. Chemicals and perfumes should just never be used on the genitals in any form. So keep that in mind when you're choosing 
how you'll remove hair, specifically in regards to cream or even shave gel or things like that, make sure that you're not using things with strong perfumes or chemicals. Sound good? All right, moving on to our next question. Where exactly does one find cute lingerie? <laughs> Before I share my favorite places to purchase lingerie, let me say this. Both you and your partner should always wear or not wear whatever makes you feel the most comfortable and confident. For some, that means lingerie. For others, it may not, and that's okay. But if you want to wear lingerie or you at least want to try it, here are a couple of brands that I like that you can check out. The first one that I always recommend is a company called Mentionables. And besides having a clever name, the lingerie selection that they have is just really, really gorgeous. Mentionables is pretty cool and unique in that they don't use any models on their website so that people who are shopping don't feel tempted to compare their own body to someone else's. I've definitely been in the boat of ordering a cute little sexy outfit online that looked so good on the model and then realizing that my body looks nothing like theirs in the same outfit and it can be discouraging. And so I appreciate that Mentionables is trying to mitigate that. I have three sets from Mentionables and the only body that I've ever seen them on is mine. And I like that. They're also working to become increasingly size inclusive. They carry sizes currently from extra small to 3X. So that's great as well. I'll include a link to their website in the show notes if you wanna check them out. You can also use the code SEXY10 to get 10% off. One other online store that I like for lingerie is called Adore Me. For those of you who want bras or sets with a little more support, this is a really good option. They have a large selection, and while a lot of brands size lingerie primarily with the small, medium, large scale, you can find a lot of bra-sized items on the Adore Me website, which can make it a lot easier to find the right fit. So I'll include the link to that website in the show notes as well. And FYI, there are models on this website, so be aware of that. All right, next, do I have to have sex on my wedding night? The short answer again is no. But I realize that many of you are getting close to marriage and it's taking all of your willpower and some serious help from heaven for the two of you to just keep your hands off of each other. You feel like you've been waiting forever and you're so excited for sex. I get it. I really do. But going from abstinence to intercourse in one day, that's a really, really big jump. What you do, of course, is absolutely up to the two of you, but I just want you to be aware that you don't have to make that jump in one day. You can explore as slowly as you'd like, spend some time getting to know each other's bodies and kissing like crazy without worrying about crossing the line. It's a really fun transition. And then move to intercourse when both of you feel ready, whenever that is. And no, I'm not saying intercourse to avoid using the word sex. I just don't consider them synonymous but we'll talk more about that a different day. The next question is, why does sex hurt the first time? This is the way that the question was asked, but I want to change it a little bit to eliminate a hidden myth. A better question might be, 
will sex be painful my first time? The question, why does sex hurt the first time, likely referring primarily to women, assumes that pain is unavoidable, but I want you to know that it isn't. Contrary to anything that you've heard about this, sex shouldn't be painful, not even the first time. Is it painful? Sometimes for some people, yes. But in many, if not most cases, that pain could be avoided. So if you're worried about sex being painful or if you already experience painful sex, I want to invite you to listen to episode number seven of this podcast. In that episode, I cover how to avoid pain with sex and what to do if you experience it. So go give that a listen when you're done with this episode. But for now, I just want to make sure that you understand that sex shouldn't be painful. Pain with sex isn't normal and it shouldn't be expected first time or not. If you're Christian, engaged, or soon to be, and waiting until marriage to have sex, we need to chat. You've probably heard your whole life, like I did, that sex is sacred and beautiful and can be so great, right? But you've likely also heard about so many individuals and couples who don't really like sex. Maybe you've heard some first-time horror stories from friends or family members. Listen, sex can be one of the best parts of your marriage. It can be so fun and mutually pleasurable and bonding and romantic and all of the good things. But that doesn't just happen naturally. Unfortunately, too many couples just don't have the knowledge or the tools to create the kind of sex life that they're hoping for. But I want better for you. Which is why I created The Honeymoon Course, a fully online course to help you and your fiance prepare for your transition into sexual activity and build a sexual relationship that you are both stoked about. The course covers everything from healthy sexual beliefs, sexual anatomy, the mechanics of good sex, grooming and hygiene, avoiding pain with sex, what to bring on your honeymoon, and more. This course is, in my humble opinion, the perfect way to prepare for your sexual relationship with your soon-to-be spouse. Click on the link in my show notes or go to thechristiansexeducator.com engaged to check out the course. You will be so glad you did. Next question, is lube necessary when having sex and what exactly are we supposed to do with it? This might sound strange, but I love helping couples to find and use good lubricant because it can just make such a big difference for them. Lubricant is not necessarily a must-have for sex for most couples. The vagina naturally lubricates when a woman is aroused, and in most cases, if there is sufficient arousal, there will likely be enough lubrication to keep sex from being painful. But not having painful sex is a pretty low bar. We don't just want pain-free sex, we want great sex, right? And synthetic lubricant can help with that. So I actually recommend that all couples at least try to use a synthetic lubricant. But this is especially necessary on the honeymoon because a combination of nerves and being beginners at sex will probably make natural lubricant more difficult. Personally, I recommend Coconut Lubricant. It's the absolute best I've ever found, and as a sex educator, I have tried a lot of different brands. 
The second part of the question was, what exactly are we supposed to do with it? And I'm glad someone was comfortable enough to ask this. The primary reason that most couples use lubricant is to reduce uncomfortable friction during penetration. So before attempting intercourse, you can rub lubricant on the shaft and head of the penis. You can even put some at the vaginal opening if you want, and that will help to reduce discomfort or friction during intercourse. But penetration isn't the only time that lubricant is helpful. It's also a game changer for pleasure when you and your partner use your hands to stimulate each other's genitals. Applying some lubricant to the clitoris or the penis can make foreplay and manual stimulation a lot more pleasurable. So go ahead and use it there too. Moving on to the next question, and I like this one because it's one that I had too. How messy is sex actually going to be and how do we manage that? I remember being pretty concerned about this leading up to my honeymoon. I had heard that sex would be messy and that I should have a towel or wipes handy, but I was pretty confused about what exactly to expect. I mean, how messy could sex actually be? Well, let me tell you. Sex involves several bodily fluids. When a woman is aroused, her vagina lubricates itself. To provide additional lubrication, a synthetic lube might be used. There's another fluid. But the majority of the mess that most couples are describing comes from semen, the fluid that's ejaculated from the penis when a man experiences an orgasm. Somewhere around one teaspoon of semen comes out when a man ejaculates. And I realize that that doesn't seem like a lot, but it feels pretty significant when you're trying to catch it before it gets onto the sheets. Keep in mind that if ejaculation happens during intercourse, as it often does, the semen is expelled into the vagina. So then when the couple pulls apart, that semen will start to leak out of the vagina. That's typically the messiest part of sex and the reason that people recommend having a towel handy. It's, you know, kind of a fun little game trying to figure out how to pull yourselves apart from each other and catch the semen at the same time. So have fun with that one. Next question, how long does sex usually last? This one is a little bit difficult to answer because obviously there's so much variation and the duration is different for every couple and can change pretty dramatically from one sexual encounter to the next. But let me give you some information that may help you to determine how long you might want sex to last in your relationship. So most healthy men experience orgasm within about five to 10 minutes of consistent stimulation of the penis, like what happens during intercourse. For some it's shorter, for some it's longer. Remember, these are averages. Most healthy women require about 20 minutes of consistent stimulation of the clitoris in order to experience an orgasm. And often the stimulation of the clitoris and the stimulation of the penis are two separate activities, meaning that they aren't happening at the same time. Intercourse doesn't provide a lot of stimulation for the clitoris. So if you and your partner are wanting to work together to both experience pleasure and orgasm, then 30 minutes plus some warm up may be a good ballpark estimate. Of course, there will be times when you don't have time for the full thing or when one or both of you doesn't want to pursue their own orgasm during a sexual encounter. 
The term quickie refers to sex that lasts for, you know, three to 10 minutes or so. Because of the limited time, these types of encounters typically only include one person reaching orgasm. That's not a problem at all, as long as both partners get the chance to be the focus of the quickies or short sexual encounters. So how long does sex usually last? Anywhere from a couple of minutes to a couple of hours, though that sounds like a super long time for most of us, but it's totally up to you. The focus here shouldn't necessarily be how long should sex last, but rather how long will it take both of us to experience pleasure and orgasm if that's what both of us want. Next question we have from Instagram is how do we not make the wedding night awkward? I know that this probably is not the answer that the person who asked this question is looking for, but the truth is that your wedding night is probably going to be at least somewhat awkward and that's okay. We all feel a little awkward when we do things that are new, right? If you've waited until marriage to have sex, as I know that many of you are doing, then sex is going to be very new. On your wedding night, both of you will probably be nervous. You won't be exactly sure what you're doing. There'll probably be a few funny moments, and that's totally okay. My advice to you is this. Go into your honeymoon with your sense of humor fully intact. You don't need to try and be overly serious when you have sex for the first time. Just talk to each other and laugh when things don't go quite as you had planned. Don't take yourselves too seriously. Sex is a skill and the two of you are going to be beginners. So embrace that beginner stage, awkwardness and all. All right, let's keep moving through these questions. The next one is how frequently should couples have sex? This is a really good question, and I get this one from people who are single and from people who have been married for several decades. So what is the right amount of sex for a couple to have? The answer is the amount that feels right for them. I know those kinds of answers are a little bit annoying, but it's true. There's no gold standard for how often couples should have sex. So I can't tell you that you should do it X times per week or per month or per year because every couple is different. If I were to recommend any number at all, which I hesitate to do precisely because everyone is so different, that number would be somewhere around one time per week. You've heard of the law of diminishing returns, yeah? It's this idea that the reward or benefit for some behavior will get smaller and smaller as more effort or time or money is invested in it. So let me give you kind of a silly example to illustrate this principle, and then I'll talk to you about how this applies to sex. Let's say that I haven't eaten much of anything all day, which is generally a bad idea and I don't recommend it. But let's say that I did that, and on the way home from work, I pick up a large chicken Alfredo pizza, a personal favorite. When I eat the first piece of that pizza, oh, it is just going to be so good. My stomach will be so happy with me, and happy hormones will be released in my brain. But as I continue eating more, the happiness that I experience with each additional slice of pizza will decrease. By my third or fourth piece, my stomach will start to get full and my brain just won't be as excited about the deliciousness of the pizza as it was during the first slice. 
And then by the fifth or sixth or seventh piece, the joy is totally gone and is replaced by an upset stomach. Well, sex research has shown kind of a similar pattern for sexual frequency in long-term relationships. Specifically, when couples increase the amount of times they have sex, happiness and marital satisfaction often increase as well. But when couples reach about one time per week, those positive outcomes largely level off, meaning that increasing the frequency of sex past one time per week may not lead to significantly more happiness or better sex or higher marital satisfaction. Does that make sense? So as a very general rule of thumb, you may want to try and have sex at least once per week. Some couples will have it much more often, some much less, and a lot of couples are quite happy with both of those scenarios. Different life stages will also, of course, impact frequency. So a couple who's recently welcomed a baby may not be having any sex at all for the time being, whereas a newlywed couple may be having sex several times per week. I want you to remember that how often other couples have sex has nothing to do with you. There's no need to compare yourself to others. Just talk openly as a couple about how often each of you would ideally want to have sex in your current life stage and then work to identify a compromise between those two numbers. All right, our next question is, is beginner sex really that bad? I feel like I have to expect the worst, which is sad for me. This question made me laugh just a little bit because I know how this person feels. On the night before my wedding, I got to spend some time with two of my very best friends. Both of them were married before I was and were obviously more sexually experienced than I was because of that. And both of them shared little snippets of their wedding night and then said something along the lines of, don't worry if you're disappointed by sex at first, it will get better. And I remember being so sure that I was going to absolutely love it even on the first night. I had waited 28 years and I was certainly not going to have mediocre first time sex. But remember how sex is a skill? Yeah, well, it was not a skill that my husband and I had developed at that point. And so on our wedding night and for a while afterward, we had beginner sex. But I don't want you to get discouraged about that, right? While it's true that the sex itself was not everything that it could be or would be, I want you to know that I still loved our honeymoon. I loved our first time and our second time and our third time. Did we know exactly what we were doing? Absolutely not. Did it go exactly as we had planned? No. But it was our first time and we were excited and in love and so, so happy. So to answer your question, no, beginner sex is not that bad. Think of it kind of like your first kiss. Do you remember the very first time that you kissed someone? Did you know exactly what you were doing? No. Were you really good at it? Probably not. But if it was with someone that you really liked and in a happy and consensual setting, I'm willing to bet that you still enjoyed it. I bet you were still excited and there were some butterflies fluttering around in your stomach. And I bet that you thought about it for days and days and smiled every time that it came to your mind. Am I right? Beginner sex will likely be similar. Sure, the sex itself won't be your best work, 
That's okay, it will get better and better as you practice, but your first time can still be so good and so happy and so full of love. All right, my friends, those are all of the first time questions that I got and that I want to answer for you today. I hope that for those of you who haven't yet transitioned into sexual activity, this conversation was helpful. I especially hope that it helped to calm some of the nerves that you might have about your first time. If you have more questions about your first time or anything else, you can always reach out to me on Instagram. I really try to answer as many questions as I possibly can there. So search for The Christian Sex Educator on Instagram and feel free to send me a message. You can also send me a message at any time about what you want to hear on the podcast. I started this podcast to help and serve you as much as I can, so if there's something that you want to learn about, I definitely want to know. So make sure and let me know about that. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it, and I'll talk to you soon. You finished another episode of the Christian Sex Educator Podcast. That's one more step in preparing for and building the kind of sexual relationship that you're really hoping for. So congrats. For episode details and links, check out the show notes or head over to thechristiansexeducator.com slash podcast. And don't forget, God invented sex and it is oh so good. Come back soon.